Oh, um, yeah, everything you said, it was a definitely a decision that we like, first of all, being together, we didn't think twice about because we just like loved each other. I think the world told us before we knew that it was something we should think about, if that makes sense. I think, uh, oh, this is, I'm trying to like figure out how to like, as soon as we started becoming, um, more front facing on the internet, like I think the first comment we ever got that was racially motivated, that's like a nice way to put that. Um, it crumbled me, like absolutely wrecked me. And I think seeing Colton's calmness about it was equally infuriating, heartbreaking, eye opening. because I think to him, he's like, this is old news. Like I'm, I had never experienced anything like that. He's like, please, this is child's play. Like I'm, I've heard and seen so much worse. And I was like, holy, like this is, I had no idea this was this. And I think I didn't know there was anything to know before getting into the relationship and being like, wait, 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 people care who I'm dating because we don't look this. I don't know. It was just such a weird. And of course we all like, we hear very little. I'm from Georgia as well. So like, quite frankly, we didn't hear a ton about racism growing up. And I just like, it wasn't on the forefront of my mind because I'm a Caucasian female. Why would it, you know? That's Danny Brohart, one member of the up-and-coming group, Nico. Yeah, I think every everything we make and create is like ends up being some form of therapy. We have songs that we've written that like haven't seen the light of day or songs that have taken completely different forms. Like uh, this is much much different than what you mentioned, but you know, we wrote a song that we was called the difference and it was actually originally about um, a really toxic situation that we were in with a person that we both trusted. And, you know, and we, you know, we wrote the song about like how we thought that we could love someone through them, like treating us poorly, wrote the song, whatever, didn't think much of it. Well, a year later we, you know, we're entered in this this thing to be on the part of the TV show called the American Song Contest, and that song was uh, submitted, and the producers and stuff really loved the song, and we ended up rewriting the song to have a, a kind of a different meaning to to go along more with uh, our message in the show. But it's just crazy because like that song was so therapeutic for us in its original form, and you know, it still ended up reaching people in a completely different way than we meant for it to ever reach people. Like yes. we honestly would have never, I think we had put the demo of the song on YouTube, like saying it, the original Maybe. version or something like that. But, but like it was we, like a closed book for us. Like yeah. We like it's done. And so it's, you know, I think that's the thing about art, like writing, singing, filming, doing anything. It's just like, you might have your own things that you need for therapy and then someone else could get something completely different from it. And that's kind of the beauty in it. And that's Colton Jones the other member of the same up-and-coming group. This is Jason Blair, and this is the Silver Linings Handbook Podcast. Danny grew up in Atlanta, where she developed roots in urban and R&B music as a dancer and a singer, and recorded for prominent professionals in the music industry. Colton grew up in Alabama, Mississippi, and Oregon before spending his high school years in Ohio, where he began singing and was featured on season two of NBC's The Sing-Off, a singing competition show that featured a cappella groups. Danny and Colton are partners in life and partners in music. 
Nico's name comes from the first letters of his name and the last letters of hers. At a time when so much divides us, music, like fictional books, television, and movies, are one of those things that tends to bring us together. Danny and Colton and their group, Nico, have put a focus on what ties us together. In 2016, Colton and Danny began writing, and within two years, they had a body of work that they released. Their first single was a creative spin on Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Danny and Colton met when they were both attending Belmont University, a private college in Nashville, Tennessee. Two school principals from Philadelphia founded the school to help women find their voices at a time when women were expected to be quiet. It has grown into a university that's known for giving voice to musicians, performing artists, and known for its musical business program. After both moving to Nashville, the two met and combined their early influences in music to attempt to create a new and fresh sound as a band. After performing shows all over the southeastern United States, they found their passion for performing growing. Eventually, they moved to Los Angeles, where they've become well-known for their work producing music videos and songs, both as cover artists and for their own work. The two have also created songs written with producers in Nashville, Los Angeles, and London. They've been featured on several top Spotify playlists and have appeared on various music networks, including the CW Network, VH1, BET, and Freeform. Their work has also been featured in promos for the Today Show and the world of dance and advertising campaigns for Spotify and Ralph Lauren. At a time when the music industry has experienced dramatic and continuous change over the past 30 years, Danny and Colton also stand out as two people who have found a way to follow their passions at a time when so many artists are giving up their craft for traditional jobs that they do not always love because of the risks of pouring all their efforts and staking their livelihood into their art. They have been entrepreneurial in their efforts, doing everything from building custom wedding playlists, creating custom covers, creating their own music, and performing. Danny and Colton, I just wanted to thank you for joining me today. And just, I, I wanted to throw out a little bit about how I first came across you. Like during the pandemic, you know, it was super isolating for everyone. I, you know, I went into an office every day, had all my close friends and other things like that. And we were super separated that year. And, you know, I had, among different things, I had started listening to podcasts or taking long walks, but I had started um, building up playlists and uh, of a lot of, like, good songs on um, YouTube. And one night I, I went to went to sleep listening to YouTube, and now, you know how it jumps to... Yeah, you know, it's like playing, yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> half asleep, and I haven't even made it to bed. I'm on the couch, and I'm half asleep. And I heard you guys singing, um, where's the love? Oh, and I heard yeah. your voices and like, it hit me in two ways. Like it was beautiful. It was indifferent. So that's one way I suppose. And then the second way is like, it was such a powerful song for that particular moment. So yeah. I, 
I wanted to thank you guys for bringing me that little bit of joy and comfort. Oh, wow. yeah. Thank you for saying that. Thank yeah, you just... for listening. And that's, yeah, that's all we ever want to do with that kind of stuff. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, welcome. So thank you. Yeah. I am, you know, for me, as somebody who's sort of like a non musician, but, but a writer, I've always thought that it's just so fascinating and, you know, in understanding the business of this time, it's so fascinating the skills that it takes to really sort of try and center your life around music and your music right now. And so part of the reason, and I think, I I think, you know, sometimes we really don't take the time to talk to or hear from artists about what that's like. Part of what I wanted to do is really sort of like, be able to dive into that conversation. So I, I wanted to start with like, what inspired you guys or led you to sort of gravitate toward, toward, I guess, maybe not just the career in music, but just music in general, and then eventually making it your, your lives. Yeah. So we, we kind of joke about this all the time, but there's so much realness to this. Um, we're honestly not good at anything else. Um, so if we joke like, you know, God forbid if music disappears tomorrow, we're for sure screwed. No, but on a more personal level. I'm sure that's not true. It, you're <laughs> so sweet. It absolutely is. But what you said to start off, you know, our conversation, hearing things like that almost reignites mm-hmm. us every yeah. couple days, every month. Like that is all I ever want to do with my life. Colton feels the same way. We both are such connective people like all we want to do is reach people and through a passion Mm. being music it's like hearing you say that that touched you in a time in the world where we all felt so disconnected was like nothing no amount of money no amount of like vacation or anything like nothing can top that feeling so that's I guess Mm. that's kind of what led us is like wanting to reach people and yeah and it's for I think for both of us like even though we didn't know each other just I think as children who were always singing and always like music becomes a part of like your fiber and it becomes like a part of your being. So you just kind of are that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you grow up and you meet someone else who is that. And it's like, you kind of automatically get each other. Yeah, for sure. Gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the fascinating things I think about music. I had um, a guest who, who was um, among his many jobs. He's a film writer. And I was asking him, like, what what got you into film? And he was saying it was like growing up in southern Georgia. Mm. And he, you know, lots of segregation and other things like that. But the one thing that brought everybody together was when the movie Titanic came out. He was like, it was the first time I saw everybody talking to each other about the same thing. And I think music sort of has that same ability to bring it together. Talk to me more about that. That's so crazy. You say that we have talked about concerts we've been to before, whether it be Beyonce, Taylor Swift, a smaller artist, like anything, we always get like these full body chills and we'll leave talking about it, how it's like the amount of walks of life that the people in that room are going through different age groups, ethnicities, races, genders, everything. And it doesn't really matter for the two hours of that concert because it's something is connecting everyone. And I, you talking about Titanic, that's so true. It's entertainment. I think at the end of the day, everyone wants to feel entertained. Everyone wants to feel moved by something, whether that's a part of something bigger Mm. than themselves. So a movie, um, a song, a concert, um, like stage acting, like anything like that, it just feels almost separates you from self. 
yeah. and then you become just a part of something bigger. So that's Absolutely. so cool. Transporting for people. And it's like a, you know, a music can invoke certain, you know, feelings. And yes. Things. Yeah, I do. I do work with some people who, you know, have, let's say, face trauma or, you know, they may have sort of like abnormal personalities where they don't feel often. But yeah. like one way that like successfully we help people who have like compartmentalized get back into their feelings is through actual music because mm -hmm. it evokes a feeling sometimes that you can't defend against you can't block Ugh. and and we all have that i guess that same sort of that same sort of response to it and it brings us together i guess in a shared yeah. experience that all the walls we have that we throw up between us like race and gender and other mm -hmm. things it just kind of breaks them down at first. for sure yeah yep. yeah for sure one of the things I was wondering about, like I, I had read an article that you guys um, were interviewed and in, I can't remember when it was, it was in the Dayton news. And you guys talked about like the idea of having that confidence and authenticity were so important to the work that you were doing mm -hmm. and that you also really thought it was super important to, to being successful as musicians. And it kind of struck me because, you know, like we, we live in a world less so, right? Like you have YouTube stars and you have other things like that that bring people up and they get to mm -hmm. sort of carve their spot. But we are in a world where to some extent, like music is packaged, right? Like you For find sure. the person, you, you know, build them up, you do all these other things. I mean, even in some cases where you have like stars who may not be the world's best musicians. <laughs> right? <laughs> but so I thought that was interesting that you guys brought up that idea of confidence and authenticity being so critical to the art itself. Could you tell me a little bit yeah. more about that? Yeah, I think that, it, what's so interesting about that is I can't remember exactly when we did that interview with Dayton Daily News, if it was last year, if it was a couple years prior, because we have two, but I think it's this, it's interesting because the music industry itself has changed just between like 2019 and now in a sense where it's like those things have become even more important because everything isn't as, you know, in the 1980s, an artist like Whitney Houston would be found by, you know, a big producer and then the rest is history. And now, like, there's probably some girl somewhere who sings just as good as Whitney Houston and, like, may never, you know. My mom is saying, shut your mouth right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as good as Whitney Houston. Yes. Right, but, right, like, right. But, but may never, you know, get her, her shot because she's not confident enough to, like, just put herself out there and, like, mm. you have to kind of do it all yourself now. And I think, you know, the confidence part of that is, like, you have to just be confident that what you're experiencing and feeling in your music will touch someone else in the same way that it's touching you and that it's worth it to put it out there and put yourself on the limb. And then as far as being authentic, I mean, it's even more so that because it's like, well, it has to be honest to you because if it's not honest, people are going to see through it. People can sniff that stuff out mm -hmm. so fast with the internet and the reach that people have now. And yeah. they're just not afraid to say it also. And yeah, and they're not afraid to say it. And, and you would crumble like it's as soon as you get that one negative comment, if it's something and, and you know, and you're not being authentic and they know you're not being authentic, like it'd be really easy for you to crack. So I think that those things are super important. And it's almost like they're piercing your mask, right? For you're sure. Exactly. Absolutely. So it's the hurt, but then it's paired also with this giant embarrassment of like, oh my God, they exposed me. This is like, oh yeah, it's just all yeah. around not good. So, so like, 
they can see me feeling. Yes. Yes. So as songwriters, it's been our journey the entire time that we've been a band to make sure that everything that we put out is honest, even if it's just for a moment of time, even if it's like, you know what, right now I'm feeling this emotion and I might not feel it tomorrow and I might not have felt it, you know, five years ago, but right now in this moment, because then you know that like no matter what is said or how it's perceived, that it was real for you. Mm-hmm. Were you guys afraid? And I asked that for like two particular reasons. There's like the fear that comes with like putting yourself out there and putting out your art because there's something so personal about your art mm-hmm. and creating art. But then you also, there's something so frightening about like, starting a business and every musician now needs to be a business person. Yes. Yes. Scary. Oh, I mean a thousand percent. Yes. And anyone that says no is lying. I have to believe because I don't know how you're not a little terrified if you care about it at all. Cause like you said, yeah, it's, it's like such a vulnerability to one, put yourself out there, but then to put your deepest, rawest insecurities in the form of a song. So you're also presenting yourself with, okay, I have this talent that I think is kind of good. I hope other people think I'm good, but they'll definitely tell me if they don't. And it's also all these deep insecurities that you're writing about. We write about our relationship. We write about the world. It's like, what if they don't agree with my opinion on this thing? It's absolutely Mm -hmm. the most vulnerable, exposing experience ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And exactly like you said, we didn't go to music school thinking we would be business people. Like we went into music school thinking we want to sing our la di da's, fall in love, stare at each other's eyes, you know, and make someone's day a couple times a week. Didn't think we, about copywriting, yes, singing, and uh, accounting. Right? <laughs> we did not think about spreadsheets or yes, accounting. Hate it. Yeah, it's kind of like a big surprise because it's like, well, if you want your business to like actually function, you have to like figure out like where the money is coming from, how to continue to make it. And like um, taxes, you know, <laughs> um, taxes. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot that we definitely didn't expect, and we kind of got hit in the face with it. And you're like, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Um, but we figured it out so far. Knock on wood. Yeah, it hasn't crumbled yet. I always feel like the best way if you're going to do something, figure out how terrifying it is after you've already started. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. The point that you made about it being so personal, like you talk about your relationship, you probably talk about your fears and your deepest dreams. And, you know, like one of the things, like there've been parts of my life where I would say I was absolutely not authentic and I paid the price for it, Mm. you know, like internally, because I had built this, let's say picture of myself that didn't really exist that I had to maintain that would eventually fall apart. And, you know, like, Later in life, I began to realize, like, my superpower now is just being authentic, like telling people exactly how I feel and what I'm afraid of. But I remember, like, the younger me being so, like, I mean, I think at its core, everybody's deepest desire is to be loved. Yeah. But we're afraid if we show our true selves, we won't be loved for it. So we don't show our true selves. What was it like to share that stuff? Yeah. That's like such a, it's a great question. It's like a multifaceted question. Um, Because as you know, as you know, of course we are dating and now engaged. So there were two journeys we had to go on together as business partners going through the exact same thing, putting out our music. So that vulnerability, but then also on the side, 
trying to cultivate this living, breathing relationship that we were trying to grow into something, you know, for a lifetime. And while we were being vulnerable together, we also had to be vulnerable separately. And I would say I struggled more with that than Colton did just because he is more of a 100% authentic person. Like what you see is what you get. Any group of people he's in, any room he's in. And it's like something that made me fall so deeply in love with him. I'm not like that. I'm very much a chameleon. And I think I try to bend and morph in whichever group I'm in because I want to be liked so deeply. So having that be exposed by Colton and he's like, what are you, why are you talking like that? Like, why are you saying yeah. this to that person? And like, he was like, also, you didn't think that joke was funny. Why did you laugh? And it's just like, it's so good. It like completely transformed the way that I lived my life, which in turn transformed the way that I made music with him. It was, it was, yeah, terrifying, but also so beautiful. We're completely different people than we were when we first met. Yeah. And I think the other side of that is she helped me be more authentic because she's like, well, you care about people. So like, it's okay for you to laugh at someone's joke, even if it's not that funny, because you care about them <laughs> mm. um, and, and things like that. And I think it was, it's good that we both have personality traits that are almost opposite of, of each other, but they work well together and that we can grow toward each other. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we've been able to do. And I think our younger selves, if we had been separate solo artists, um, I won't say that we wouldn't have made it, but I think our journeys would have been very different, very different. because of those those traits in our personalities. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's been it's been honestly, it's been a blessing to have to be able to go through it with someone else. Like I we talk about it all the time. We have friends who are solo artists and we're like, I don't know how to do it. Like, oh, that's a whole other beast. Like, it's it, so hard. At least like, we have each other to panic together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I absolutely buy that. Yeah. I one of the one of the things that just sort of struck me is your talking, you know, I was thinking about for a second there, like, what is it that, and you kind of answered my question because I thought, I thought about like, what is it about meeting each other that made your music better? But I actually think it sounds like, what is it about each other that made you a better, more authentic human being? And then that's what affects the music. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. No, it makes so much sense. And I think, yeah, just to continue that conversation is just that because we were able to like, you know, because we were in love, so we were vulnerable with each other and we were able to call each other out in the music making process, we could look at each other and be like, is that true? Like, is what is that what you're saying right now in the song? Is that, is that true really for you? what you mean? Is that yeah. really what you mean? And, uh, and I think also, you know, it's been that in itself has been a work in progress too. It's like, as the years have gone by, we've gotten better at being able to be like, yeah, that's what I meant. And like, and we don't have to bend to like a producer's opinion or like worried about like, well, what's someone going to think once the song's out? Like, we're just very much like, well, that's what we mean. If they hate it, they hate it. And we'll move on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've gotten to a point where you've gotten a little more comfortable with the idea that Danny, especially that I don't have to be accepted by everyone. For sure. I will not claim to be even close to where I want to be even still, but absolutely. And if nothing else, Colton's in the background being like, you do not mean that. Like, you know, so <laughs> nothing else I know he's there. Or I'm going to have to tell him the story of it later. And at least the guilt of me lying about it, I'll be like, oh, dang, like he's going to call me out. So I'm definitely working on it every day, but for sh- completely different version of myself than I was when I first met him. Yeah. But also I don't want to, I don't want to say that you've taken away the part of yourself. Cause that, that part of herself that wants everyone else to be comfortable is also her superpower. Oh, like she's sweet. the person that when you walk into a room, 
like she's the one who makes everybody in the room feel comfortable and she's the person that people gravitate toward. It's it's the strangest thing. Like if we're out in public, like complete strangers will walk by and like speak to her. And it's like <laughs> that is that is a part of her her superpower. And and I don't want to take away from that. I think, You're just being sweet for the podcast no, quick. I'm not, I'm just saying like, <laughs> like that is that's also like that that is a good quality. Oh, too, thank you. And I think, yeah. That's really well, sweet. And that quality actually comes off like what you guys are describing about each other. You know, we were talking before we started recording about these really cool outtakes that you do where you guys are talking and I just love them because it it helps connect with you and they're funny and they're interesting. And, and, but, but one of the things that does come off in that and also comes off in your music is exactly what Colton's saying. Like I have a feeling Danny, if I ran into you on the street I'd probably say hi for no random reason. And Colton, <laughs> if I ran into you on the street, I'm pretty sure like half a mile before I actually got to you, you would have already said hi. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is so real. Yeah, yep. that's pretty much it. Right. But I, I mean, I get it because a lot of our, our, our strengths really can, they can often come from the places maybe where we've been hurt most deeply. Yeah, and, for sure. And I'm, I'm wondering like, what is it deep down that sort of like inspires you guys the most or, or the song? I remember uh, reading about you guys selecting Marvin Gaye as one of your mm-hmm. first colors. Was it what's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As one of your first covers, like what, what have, for you, like whether it's your work or covers, what have been the, the most meaningful songs and what's the meaning behind the meaning for you? Oh, great question. Yeah, I think from the very start, and including with what's going on, we wanted to make sure that we made music that connected with people and said something and reflected how we were feeling. And I think it's really interesting to point out how you said you found us from um, Where's the Love? And obviously that was during 2020 and there was a lot going on that we don't need to get into. But, you know, we didn't feel the need to like get up and make like our big soapbox of like, you know, everyone needs to feel this and blah, blah, blah. And because uh, everyone else was, because everyone else was doing it, and he's like, I just bring the this, like, Floyd protest, yes. the COVID yes. masks. Yeah. 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 It was so much, and 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 I think Danny was just like, yeah, we just like, you know, we just like need to love each other instead of saying like, let's just put out this cover. And honestly, we did not like think anything of not at all. Like we just were being honest in how we felt. And, and picking that cover. It was cover. more for us, like the therapy for us to just be like, we don't know what to do. So we're going to sing a song that means something to us. And it's been interesting because that song has reached more people than any of our other music. In, in really? A, in a way that we oh never gosh. expected. The yeah. comments we, st- I mean, that video is now three years old and yeah. the comments we still get on that. Oh my gosh, I, can- I needed this today. Oh, just watch the news. And I turned this on instead. Like, thank you guys for, and we're just like, that is crazy that years and years will probably go by. I hope. And people will still find solace in that. And yeah. it's, you know, both a negative thing and a positive. I hate that people still feel the need to f- seek comfort in that. But I also love that it's giving comfort. Yeah. And it's, it's just like it shows like how great of a writer um, like Will I Am and everyone else who was mm. part of that song are because that like those words st- like that song's like 20 years old or something like and those words still ring true today. It's just like pe- it reminds me of feels that- it. Yeah, like Martin Luther King, I was reading a letter from a Birmingham jail recently. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, everything in here could still apply today. And part of that that makes me sad. And part of that makes me feel so 
so good. It's yeah. such an amazing mm-hmm. vision. So you guys are going to laugh at this part. I remember I, one of my friends, I, I sent her the first time I sent one of your songs to someone and I, I sent it as an example of when the cover's better than the original. <laughs> oh my God. The highest honor ever. I laughed so hard before when I took a look back at it, but really it is like you do put your, your own twist on the things that I think oh. are, that are really fascinating. So tell me about the twist <laughs> tell me about your style. Yeah. So for, for covers, it honestly is so different for each one. I feel like, would you agree? Mm -hmm. It truly, we try to, Colton said it great one time and while we were recording it and he was like, I, I want to pretend like this is our song that we're releasing, like an original, like we wrote it, we sat in the room and grinded over the lyrics and the melodies and like, how would we go about singing it? And I think that, I don't know, it was such a simple statement, but we approached each one we did after that so differently of like, I would get caught up in trying to sound like the original artist because I'm like, people want to hear that. They just, you know, we're a different visual, but they, they really love the song. We need to keep it simple. And Colton was like, no, we are artists. Like, just like they are artists. Let's do it. Like it's ours. And some like O'Connor's purple rain or not purple rain, but uh, nothing compares. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Like that's yeah. And it reached a whole other part of the world. And people were like, what? That's the goal is like, presenting ourselves with as storytellers of maybe they're not our original words that we're saying, but we are vehicles through which the emotion is coming through. Um, And something like where's the love. Like I do remember that one. I can't remember if we left it in, but we, we both kind of got super emotional after singing that one. And I don't even, I don't know if we did our outro on that video, but because we got finished, you know, singing it and we were just like, oof, like this, we feel this in a totally different real way than we would singing like, you know, Selena Gomez's song this week. Um, I don't know. And we just, we forget that that is what we do at the end of the day is give people stories. And it, sometimes it affects us way deeper than, you know, say our fun twist on a rap song. Like if we try to do something more upbeat mm-hmm. and fun. Yeah. That was a kind of convoluted answer, but I, I hope I answered yeah. that. It's a great one. I, re- you know, I remember right during the summer with George Floyd, there was this moment for me Because, you know, running a company, also doing all my other stuff, one of my real responsibilities sort of like around April, it became very clear to me that my main job was not to like make money, save the company. It was to take care of these people. So Mm. that was like, you know, the people who worked with me on a regular basis and then our other partners. So I would start to send out like, you know, notes. And it originally started out with like, stuff about COVID and what data was out there and then some stuff about like resources that they could use for mental health. But after George Floyd, a couple of weeks into that, I wrote this long note about where I opened up to people about some of the racism that my family had experienced. My dad's mm-hmm. side of the family grew up in South Carolina and you know, one of my grandfathers, we found out years later, it's a crazy story. Um, but we're sitting at my grandmother's funeral and one of our cousins comes by and she's like, you guys aren't really Blair's. And we're all like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you're Gilcrest. And we're like, have you lost your mind? Yeah, right. and, and she said, no, 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 no. Your family came from 96 South Carolina, which I knew about because my grandfather would not drive through it. He would drive mm-hmm. way around it to get anywhere. And my dad said when they grew up, they only went there once. And we found out that my 
grandfather who never talked about this in his entire life, but his brother had been lynched there when he was a kid. And I wrote about that and it ended up, I didn't know where I was going, but it ended up being a message of hope at the end of it. But for me, like you were talking about with where's the love, it ended up being my, a therapeutic experience for me to even get it out for there. Sure. Yeah. Do you get sure. something like that from the music? Yeah, I think every everything we make and create is like ends up being some form of therapy. We have songs that we've written that like haven't seen a light of day or songs that have taken completely different forms. Like uh this is much much different than what you mentioned, but you know, we wrote a song that we was called The Difference and it was actually originally about um a really toxic situation that we were in with a person that we both trusted and you know and we you know we wrote the song about like how we thought that we could love someone through them like treating us poorly wrote the song whatever mm-hmm. didn't think much of it well a year later we you know were entered in this this thing to be on the, a part of a TV show called the American Song Contest and that song was uh submitted and the producers and stuff really love the song. I'm wide awake Coming out of a daze Finding my ways back into your heaven Won't you say that I'm forgiven? I made the mistake I'm misusing my words Making it worse Not my best decision Won't you say that I'm forgiven? And we ended up rewriting the song to have a kind of a different meaning to, to go along more with uh, our message in the show. But it's just crazy because like that song was so therapeutic for us in its original form. And, you know, it still ended up reaching people in a completely different way than we meant for it to ever reach people. Like yes. we honestly would have never, I think we had put the demo of the song on YouTube, like saying it the original Maybe. version or something like that. But, but like it was we, like a closed book for us. Like yeah. Like it's done. And so it's, you know, I think that's the thing about art, like writing, singing, um, filming, doing anything is it's like, you might have your own things that you need for therapy and then someone else could get something completely different from it. And that's kind of the beauty in it. Well, that's a, that's an interesting way of thinking about it because it's almost like, if you think about it, it's almost like you're carrying a baton and you're going through something and then you're, but you're leaving it, you're passing it on to the next person who may yes. be going through it after you. That's kind of a powerful way to think about music. Like, yeah. yeah. Like we're moved by artists that didn't perform during our lifetimes. And yeah, like, exactly. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. I was curious about one thing and thinking about like your focus, like the points you guys are making about you know, bringing people together in commonality. And then we were talking about the George Floyd thing. One of the things, you know, Danny, you're white, Colton's black. 
you know, not always the easiest thing. And this is something that we don't always talk about. And I think people almost want to avoid it because, you know, on one side, you have people who just want to believe we're in a world or want to be in a world where it's not an issue. And we tend not to talk about those things. And then, you know, it's outside of the social norm to be opposed to it. So those people don't talk about it. But what (laughs) people often don't realize is like interracial couples are sensitively stuck right in between, you know, one group they can't talk to and find support and one group they can't talk to, period. Yes. What was that part like? Oh, yeah, everything you said. It was uh, definitely a decision that we like, first of all, being together, um, we didn't think twice about because we just like loved each other. I think the world told us before we knew that it was something we should think about, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, What do you mean by that? I think, uh, Oh, this is, I'm trying to like figure out how to like, as soon as we started becoming um, more front facing on the internet, like I think the first comment we ever got that was racially motivated. That's like a nice way to put that. Um, It crumbled me like absolutely Mm. wrecked me. And I think seeing Colton's calmness about it was equally infuriating, heartbreaking, eye-opening because I think to him, he's like, this is old news. Like I'm, I had never experienced anything like that. Right. Right. He's like, please, this is child's play. Like I'm, I've heard and seen so much worse. And I was like, holy, like this is, I had no idea this was this. And I think I didn't know there was anything to know before getting into the relationship and being like, wait, 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 people care who I'm dating because we don't look this. I don't know. It was just such a weird. And of course we all like, we hear very little. I'm from Georgia as well. So like, quite frankly, we didn't hear a ton about racism growing up. And I just like, it wasn't on the forefront of my mind because I'm a Caucasian female. Why would it, you know? You grew Um, up in the Atlanta area? A little bit outside of Atlanta, so more in the suburbs. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. um, I I grew up in middle school in Marietta. so Oh my gosh, so close to me. Yeah, yeah, super close. Okay, so maybe you can kind of speak to the Georgia of it all um, a little bit. And I'm, yeah, it just, Colton has slowly shown me like things that I will, one, need to know as we hopefully bring kids into the world one day. And like you said, Mm -hmm. sensitively stuck as an interracial couple, but biracial children is a whole other beast to tackle. Mm-hmm. That neither one of us will know about. Neither, like. It's going to be new territory <laughs> yeah. for both of us. I've got some friends that could give you advice on that. Oh, please. Because <laughs> that is, oh my, the internet's already told us about our non-existent kids. So like, I'm, mm-hmm. I know that if we continue to be on the internet, there will be more and more opinions. But yeah, um, sorry, long answer. Just, yes, it was thought about, but not until, yeah, someone told us it was something to think about. And then we were like, oh God. And I think uh, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye was a really conscious decision. Of course, we knew there would be controversy with that because I am white and I'm saying the words that a black man you know, said one time where the world was going through similar but also extremely different things, unfortunately. And we knew we would get some backlash or we knew there would be like, why does she think she can say that? And the hope was someone gave us really good advice in the music industry is that people want to hear what they see they want it to match up Mm. so nothing else at the end of the day we just wanted to be a unified force of the two of us not having any similarities in what we look like but both feeling very similar things and if nothing else that can lead by example we don't need to tell you how we feel politically emotionally socially we're just going to show you 
we're going to live our life every day together, happy, unbothered Mm. by these people that tell us what we should be. And we hope that that's the best example we can be for our kids, for the internet, whatever. It must have been heartbreaking for you in that moment because it sounds like for you, having grown up in, or you know, at least my middle school years in those same suburbs where you wouldn't necessarily see it, it must have been heartbreaking to see how many people hold on to those kinds of views. It was earth shattering, like yeah, heartbreaking, soul crushing, all the dramatic. But you're better at dealing with it now. I am. I definitely am. I well, yeah. it was a double edged sword because it was. One, it was hurtful, exactly like what you just said, Jason. Like, I can't even believe people still feel like that. But then my, like, protective nature came in for Colton. And I was like, how dare Mm -hmm. you think that about someone that I love? So it was just, I had all the emotions were... Sadness, fear, anger. Yes, all of them. And yeah, but Colton has taught me, I hate that he has to teach me, but he has taught me to basically, you can't, you can't let that control you because they mean absolutely nothing. Those people... Right. are not the good in the world and why give them any energy yeah, yeah. Why let them take away from the good that you can bring how did it feel for you Coleman I mean for me it was just like I honestly didn't even like I don't I won't say the words on the on this podcast but like I hadn't even heard the slurs before <laughs> I had to look them up and it was like and there's a, there's a whole <laughs> world of slurs for interracial couple I didn't know we get called them all the time, get yep. DM'd and emailed and all kinds of stuff. But you know, whatever. Like wow. I didn't know, and I on, frankly I laughed because I was like, "Oh, that's hilarious." He like, literally did. He laughed. That's creative. It's what I thought, and I was just like, "Okay." And I was like, and I realized with her, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I guess like you didn't grow up like, you know, having these interactions like as a child and having to like, you know, already process that." So for me, it wasn't you know, it wasn't the end of the world or anything. But I did feel bad that you know, like I. I almost felt responsible because I'm like, oh, now I'm bringing her into like something that she previously mm-hmm. didn't have to experience. And, and, you know, weird stuff happened just like living, we were in Nashville at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I remember we were a little bit further outside of Nashville and like this guy at a store, like got out of his car and was like really upset with us for just existing, existing and holding yeah. hands and stuff. And like, just like weird stuff like that, where it's just like, you know, of course, in my mind, like, it, of course it happens to me, like it's happened before. And like, it's not like an everyday thing, you know, it's like, a, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it, it was a new thing to be like, oh yeah. Also like the person I'm choosing to spend my life with, like, this is, this is something that comes with that, that, yep. like, you know, but you know, we love each other and we're able to live our lives and we're fine and nothing's, yeah. you know, thankfully nothing serious has happened, but. Well, and it probably also like gives you guys great insight into kind of like a, you know, the thing about music and like the film we were talking about, like one of the things that I think it stands out to me about both is it's one of those things that proves that we're a lot more alike than we think we are. Like, yeah. Very politically divided. Yeah. Yes world and i i wonder whether like those experiences help you in some ways help you maybe i don't know like see how artificial maybe some of these divides are and push you to like close the gap and i'm sure it's not just race i mean the way we divide ourselves whether it's lgbtq or not or by gender or i don't know by geography like we we are gifted at 
I, w- I had a I, I had a pastor on recently, and he was like, "When he gets to heaven, the first question he's going to ask God is, why are we so tribal?'" Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. And so, has how has it helped you guys? Like, just your world, whether it's whether it's those experiences or just your your worldview. Yeah, I think our worldview is is kind of funny because like both of us being from the South, you know, this is might sound silly, but like it's so similar. Like when you think about politics and stuff, as like football teams, and in the South, like football is you know, football is life. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. football's life is like right next to religion. Annie, and tell me you're not a Georgia fan because oh, that, yeah. I absolutely am. My mother bleeds black and red. <laughs> oh no, you're a not- dumb. Not that she follows any of I the unfortunately sports. don't follow anything. I'm such but, a music nerd. Okay. But, but she has, to, make she has to be a part of it. <laughs> you seem nice. I'll make an exception. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. But yeah, but it's so funny because it's just like, yeah, we all like, it's so interesting to see that everyone feels like they need to belong to something. And, and I think that goes back to our whole music thing is it's like, yeah, well, let's give people something else to belong to that doesn't have to be a team, you know, like. And and that's why it's so cool to see like what Danny was saying earlier. Like if you go to like a Beyonce concert or like for us, like we were really big fans of Marvel. And I, I remember we saw um, one of the Endgame was it Endgame Infinity Wars Infinity Wars End, one of those yeah. in, in theaters like on opening mm-hmm. night. And it's like everybody in that room was like cheering and screaming. It's like it's it's such a you know I don't know I think that with music and entertainment like it's such a opportunity to bring people together yeah. uh, that they don't need to like worry about like their quote-unquote differences because we're not that different like we're all humans like everybody needs to chill out like it's not you know so yeah I I think that us having gone through those experiences really helps us um understand them and then also kind of be able to like interact in the world and like the way we make art and like know that people need something else to help them get past those things Mm -hmm. yeah I am it sort of like brings me to a question you know it it seems like yes so much of what you're doing is focused on like both your art and also bridging the gap between people i i speaking of bridges and gaps how did you guys find each other what bridge did you find each other on then what bridge that's beautiful so we met in school yes um and it was funny i don't know if this part of the story is anywhere on the internet but so the very first week of school we we both went to music school and it was kind of like that show glee where like you get up in class and sing, and oh, we both God. sang. No, it literally yeah. everything likely it's that. Yeah, it was hilarious. Sure. So we both sang the first week of school, and I remember I was like, "Oh my gosh, she kind of sounds like Mariah Carey," which is hilarious because I used to like have a big crush on Mariah Carey. And I was a, like, a giant crush. Uh, being honest. <laughs> so I messaged her on Facebook, and I was like, "Yo, you trying to do a duet?" And then she very politely was like, "No." Who are you? Like it's the first forty-eight hours of school. Like let's chill out. A I asked bit. her to sing "Endless Love" by Luther Vandross and Mariah mm-hmm. Carey, their version. Which, like, please, we were eighteen years old. I had a never very met dramatic this song. man. So yeah. dramatic. <laughs> but it was funny. So we just we just kind of knew of each other for about two years. Yeah. And then our junior year of college, we were at a party, and I overheard her talking about how she had just broken up with some guy, and it like didn't end well. And then I also overheard her saying that she writes like pop and R&B music. So I was like, oh, oh, okay. So I like went over and I was like, oh my gosh, she write like like pop music and stuff, which in Nashville, you know, most people write country, especially right. there. And so uh, she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, we should write sometimes. And then um, we got a date to write. 
And at the writing session, like we didn't write a song. We just talked for like six hours. Wow. And, yeah. After that, we started going on dates and the rest is we, we started dating. And then here we, we are. Yeah. We didn't actually start our, our band until like two or three years after dating. But the real question is, did you ever do the Endless Love duet? Never. Gosh, We've never like done it. My mother is relentless with that question. She's like, I think you guys should sing it at the wedding. At the wedding. Like, no. Or you should not have to perform at your own wedding. Thank Just you. <laughs> that's how we feel. We're like, we don't, that's like a level of, I don't know if we can get there. No, your mom, no. No. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry, mom. <laughs> I so at some point I assume we'll do in last we will we'll give there, yes. we'll answer Colton's first question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so you 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 found a deep connection. It sounds like that you weren't entirely entirely. Well, maybe Colton was expecting it a little bit. <laughs> you weren't, All right. All right. You, you weren't entirely expecting. No. What, how how did you go from there to making music together? Because I, I imagine, like, even among musicians, you could meet somebody, have a great bond with them, even a great relationship with them, but you're not necessarily meant to make music together. How did you guys figure that out? Yeah. Absolutely. That's so true. Um, yeah, that's so. someone just asked us about this, and we were just talking about it. We There was definitely, like, the joking but not joking fear of, like, oh, my gosh, what if the person that I like isn't good at music. Like what if they think they are and they're like those old American Idol auditions and they're like actually terrible. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But obviously, thank God we knew in the beginning, like we at least lined up on the type of music we liked. Um, We also tell everyone like when we were first dating, we probably were annoying everyone around us. Like luckily we had a bunch of music friends, but we just sang. We sing in the hallway all the time. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. Like, I'm so annoyed at my past self because I'm like, we were probably so obnoxious, just like in love and singing to each other. Although like, authentic can sometimes be obnoxious. It can. Yeah. It can be obnoxious. Yeah. Good to note that. Um, but yeah, like Colton said earlier in this, like, music is just such a part of our fiber. So, you know, we found a way most conversations to like bring it back to what we love to do. And before we were officially a band, we sang with each other a bunch. Our first show together where we were like on a bill as a duo, we didn't have a name. We just got up and we were like, we're Danny and Colton. I don't know. We're figuring it out. Because it just kind of naturally fell into place. Like, yeah, we were always like writing songs and singing together and just like, it just was a kind of a thing. Yeah. Already before we like officially were like, okay, we're going to like try this and do it for real. For, for, real. for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, so it was it was sort of an evolution, right? Like so, the, so yeah. the only the fears and the 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 connection. It sounds like you guys have been sort of instrumental to each other in 
in terms of like building your own confidence, your own style, yeah. your own. Talk to sure. me about that. Yeah, you want to talk about it? Yeah, it's really helpful to have someone else there with you to like help you figure yourself out, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like trying to do it all yourself. And I think it's really uh, convenient for both of us that we are neither one of us are super. Um, neither one of us lead with a lot of ego. So mm-hmm. that helped a lot. Like, you know, like obviously we could get our feeling hurts about feelings hurt about things, but we're not like, we don't need to be the center of attention all the time. No. And so because of that, we're able to like pump each other up, which in turn helped that help us like breeds confidence. Yeah. Breeds and it helped success, us like yeah. figure out ourselves more. And I think it'll continue to help us figure out ourselves more. Like, like every step of life, we're just like, you know, growing together. Yeah. Um, which is the hope. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm curious because like jumping back to that bridge metaphor, I'm, I'm always so curious about like, you know, what are the odds that two people even meet each other or they, you know, all the decisions that going into, you know, what led you guys to that moment where you, where you met? I'm curious, what was it like for you, Colton? And then you, Danny, what was growing up like and what sort of like, what experiences or people sort of shaped you and your values? Yeah, it's interesting for me. Um, so I grew up with my mom is a journalist and she works in newspapers and she, um, you know, it was just me and my mom, her, her, her and my dad split when I was three, when I was three. Um, and she was working her butt off. So like every two years until middle school, until like seventh grade, I changed schools because she was like getting promotions and like, you know, in that industry, it's just like, you know, you kind of just kind of have to go where where you can, especially since it's shrank down so much over the years. And so, yeah, like music was the thing that I held on to. Like, you know, I lived in Alabama and Oregon and then I lived in Ohio twice, actually Ohio when I was young and then Ohio again and when I was older. And like, so with all that change, it was like... Yeah, there was so much change, but music was a constant for me. So I started singing in church and then I started singing at school. And then when we moved to Ohio, I uh, got into like the acapella groups. And then in my when I got into high school, I got into like the top acapella group or whatever when I was a sophomore, which is cool. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, you know, whatever. Super nerdy. Um, Where were you in Ohio? So I was in uh, Kettering, Ohio. So okay. outside of Dayton. And yeah, so that's kind of where I like decided like okay I think I want to like do this as a career and we were my high school acapella group was on like a tv show on NBC did your mom think crazy no so she didn't the the good thing about this was because I was a minor our parents had to go to LA with us to film the show Ah. the tv show so my mom also got to see firsthand what I was seeing and I got there and I was like wait there's all these jobs in music and I was like oh I can like do music as a career and it doesn't have to just be like usher like I don't have to be oh, nice. yeah. a pop star. Um, and so I kind of was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And yeah, I when it was time to go pick colleges, I either wanted to go to LA or I wanted to go to Berkeley College of Music in Boston or Nashville. Because I knew that those like Nashville and LA had music scenes. And I had a friend who actually was in the 11th hour with me who had gone to Belmont before me. And I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, th- like these, these are the places I'll pick. And it was the weirdest thing happened where... So I didn't get into USC because uh, my grades were not good enough to go to USC. And I didn't apply to any other schools in LA. And then for Berkeley, I got in, but it was really, really expensive. And then for Belmont, I got a scholarship. Um, 
but I didn't want to go to Belmont because frankly, I like didn't want to go back to the South. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, yeah, the South's like whatever. And so when it came to get to go to Berkeley, we were supposed to get a loan. And to make a very long story short is my mom didn't get approved for the loan, which was strange. And so then we were like, okay, I guess you'll just go to Belmont. So I went to Belmont in Nashville and a week before school started, they like messaged my mom, emailed her and let her know that it was like, or it was a letter, whatever. It was a mistake with the loan. Like she was approved for the loan and, and she was like, oh, I thought it was a mistake, whatever. She got it all cleared up. But like, so I ended up going to Belmont, which was cheaper. And like, I'm glad I did because this is like, I did not want to be in that much debt. And at least from a relationship perspective, probably worked out for you. Exactly. And that's right. what's so, that's what's so interesting. It's like, it, it kind of almost feels like it was meant to be like, fate was like shaping me into this way. And and I'm, I'm not sure, you know, uh, about her experience and like getting to Belmont, but I know for me, it was definitely like a thing that it felt like I was kind of pushed into and it worked out better than I could have imagined. So one of the cool things I thought about Belmont in general was, uh, you know, when I was reading about it, that idea that it was started by a bunch of teachers from Massachusetts who wanted to be able to sort of like give women who were teachers a sort of like voice and be able to be educated. And I thought, wow, I had, I I had no idea about it or, or that history, but I thought that was powerful. How about you, Danny? How do you, how do you end up there from the Atlanta suburbs? The ATL suburbs. Um, yeah, I did the whole like Southern suburb girl thing. I did cheerleading and gymnastics and just like tried to find my sporty girl, um, era. I just realized this sounds like half of my middle school friends, but go on. I I am her. I was her. I am her. All of them. Um, Well, it's nice to meet you again. Yes, thank you. It's been so long. Uh, I had so much fun. I actually did love the athleticism, you know, part of that. But I found myself being at gym meets and cheerleading competitions, singing and critiquing like the national anthem singer more than I was focused on like, you know, the meet. Um, And it just, I don't know, it kind of fell in my lap. Like I had the Atlanta influence of R&B and hip hop always like in my ear and all my friends like country music. And I just, no offense, I think country music is beautiful. It doesn't move me personally to what I feel is deep in my soul. And I found uh, JoJo actually when I was like 12 years old. And I remember just like (laughs) sobbing for the first time listening to music. And she wasn't even, it was like an upbeat song, but I was like, oh my God, the feeling that I have. Remember which one it was? It was off of her first album and I cannot, I feel like I'll find it and I'll, I'll message it to you, but I can't remember what it was. Um, and I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I, I just like want to do that. I want to do that. I need to feel this way. And yeah. Then my mom was just like, kind of was like, let me put you in all the things that a mom does as you think your kid might have a talent for something. And I just fell in love with it and fell head first. And Missed a lot of stuff in middle school and high school because I was like fully dedicating time with like a producer I was working with there. Mm-hmm. And just, I tell Colton all the time, I somewhat like regret doing that. And I hope I'm like at a place in my career one day to look back and be like, it was all worth it. All the birthday parties, all the Mother's Day, Father's Day, like I very much missed a lot because I was recording mm-hmm. or I was in a voice lesson. And I just like, you know, I, I have an insecurity that I hope I get to look back and be like, it was it was all okay that I missed that because look at where I am now. Mm, I didn't even really think about that, but it's so true. Like all the sacrifice, mm-hmm. whether it's musicians or ath- athletes or others, all the sacrifice they have to make yeah. for that, those notes that land in my ears and 
we, I, I guess we don't really think about that because it's very yeah. hard to be, mm-hmm. even if you have a natural talent for it. What's the, for you guys, like thinking about like, what's the difference between being able to be really good at it and just having a natural talent? How do you get there? How do you, how do you close that gap? I feel like it's the same for every industry. Maybe you can agree with this, but um, grinding your, excuse me, I was going to, can I curse? Sure. Grinding your ass off, like quite frankly, just it's, we have so many people that we've come into contact with in our life that they open their mouth and it's magic and we can't figure out why they haven't made it further. But then as we dig deeper, it's because, and I'm not trying to crap on anyone, but they want someone else to do it for them. They want, Mm. they want the fame and the glory and the fun time on stage, but they don't want the spreadsheets. They don't want the hours missing mother's days and birthdays. They don't want the late nights. They just, they want the praise. And that's a hard thing to, to, I guess, come to terms with is fame is so different than success in music, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really easy for people to like grow up and just like want to be famous and, and not want to like give art. And I think that's the thing about us is like, we just wanted to give art at all costs. And like, yeah, it is, it is hard. You do make sacrifices, but yeah, if you're not willing to put in the work, you're just, it's just not going to work out. Mm -hmm. And if it does work out, then you're not going to make any money. Cause like the music industry is frankly full of crooks. Like they'll just take you for everything you're worth. I never even really thought about that idea. Like the difference between singing and giving art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can feel it. I think you can feel it on someone when they like that. There are people who are amazing, like singers and amazing vocalists. vocalists. Yes. And like, you can feel the difference. And like, but then there's someone who's like, might not be the most. Selena Gomez is a great example of like, like people are never like, oh my gosh, Selena Gomez is the most amazing singer and vocalist, but like, she's a great storyteller. Same thing with Taylor Swift. Like people made fun of Taylor Swift's voice for years. And like, she's- And now look at her. Like- (laughs) I don't know who they are. Right, I don't know, never heard of her. (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, those people, like it's, it's, it comes from something deeper than just like, hey, look at me. Yeah. And you have to have that. Yeah, because it's a combination of like- the musical ability, the ability to write, the ability to perform, the business piece. A lot of things have to come together in a person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Be successful. <laughs> so I, it, jumping back to that Dayton News article, or at least one of them, I remember you guys were talking about why you picked that Marvin Gaye song, why doing what's going on. And I think Danny, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think Danny made a comment that it was like a personal project and that you mentioned that like it had subtle references to like racial isolation, Mm -hmm. codependence, and trauma. And I was just thinking that idea of like what – are the sort of like emotions or the feelings that kind of like when you're giving that art and you're giving something to people when you're comforting, what are the ones that sort of like from your lives matter the most? Like, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not every day I hear people talking about those three things in company. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that article too was referring to the, what's going on was the final piece of like a Instagram series we did where we, yeah, where we had like multiple songs and they were each, it was like fully produced music videos and they were each one minute. And those were all the themes that led into like what's going on. Yes. But you could. Ah. Yeah, no. So that's still very, that's a great question. Um, so kind of what I touched on earlier about the 
the comments of when we first started dating, started putting music, started becoming more front facing on the internet. I, I feel like this was a message that we had to put out, even if we knew it was going to be kind of controversial, but, um, it just felt right. And the, the switch up on it was kind of a, a catalyst for us. Like we didn't even realize it maybe at the time of taking covers and doing something different with them, Mm -hmm. which we do now obviously for a living and also have done original music like that of an interpolation of an older song, whatever. It was really cool to almost feel like we were on a song with Marvin Gaye. Like we were like, yeah, everything he said, but also listen to what we're saying now and Mm. finding the commonalities between them, which is both disappointing that, you know, I wish we were ions further in history to not have that be relevant anymore. But the hard truth of it is we're not. And we still have, many songs to sing that are still relevant today, unfortunately about, you know, isolation and disparities between groups and, you know, all the things. And that is something that we feel passionate about, but not like Colton said, not to get up on Instagram and put up a picture of, you know, fists in the air and write a long caption. I think the best way that we see making movement and making change, at least from us, at least for us, yes, only us personally is through our art and through our, our music. So we didn't um, move arts. Yeah, just like trying to, I don't know, that's the best way that we've seen reaching people works for us. So why would we not do it with Marvin Gaye by our side? Mm-hmm. Like it's, I don't know. No, yeah. it makes complete sense. I mean, I mean, it makes sense to me because it, it, to your point, like the best uh, place for you guys, for a lot of people, there might be other avenues, debate, whatever, maybe politics or something else like that. But there's a difference between like moving minds and moving hearts. And I remember my dad who grew up in South Carolina, and I think we were in Georgia at this point when he, when he said this, because like, I didn't like my parents, both are black, both grew up in, you know, rural areas, both the only ones in their families to go to, go to college. But they had a very optimistic view of the world. And the first time I sort of realized like racism really still existed. The first time the needle sort of popped the shell that sort of enclosed my understanding of Mm -hmm. the world. And it was so painful. There was a um, protest actually in the Northern suburbs of Atlanta in Forsyth County. And these folks were, I don't think they were from Forsyth but it was like a clan thing. And I remember seeing it on the news and being like so unbelievably confused. Mm -hmm. And my dad said to me, you know, like we were talking about the counter protesters. And he said, it's not about changing people's minds. It's when people's hearts change. It's not laws that have impact, but you know, and I, I have kind of always taken that, as like, you know, my job is to take whatever I do that's good and and take that to people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that too. Wow. A terrible, like comparing, but I, um, that's actually where I'm from, Forsyth County. Mm. Yep. So definitely grew up with that history there. There's a lot of clan history there, unfortunately. So it's like, and of course, as a kid, you grow up, no one really talks about that. It's only when I was a young adult and I had this like uh, embarrassment of telling people that's where I was from because of that background. So yeah, I'm so sorry you had to see that and go through any of that. 
It's okay. I, you know, it's funny thinking about my dad and uh, his his father not driving through 96 South Carolina and you mentioning you were from Forsyth. I used to have this rule that whenever I drove down to Atlanta, I would drive around Forsyth County. Uh, yeah. I knew Forsyth County was fine right. now, but like the way it triggered me. For sure. And, my last trip there, I will say, I drove through Forsyth County, <laughs> so it definitely improved. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but something happened there, like, that's more than, and I know demographics have changed there. Yeah. Like but something greater than that has happened in that that whole area, and I do think that has to do with hearts changing. Yeah. Agreed, yeah. I totally agree. Nobody passed the you can't be a racist anymore law. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, if only. <laughs> Thought crime laws. <laughs> it might spin out of control, I think. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I am um, one of the things too, and in, in sort of thinking about what you guys were saying in general general and putting those things together, it takes I think you have to give so much of yourself. Is it ever exhausting to give that much of yourself? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. It is. It's so weird. We were just talking about this. It's like, it's it's weird being creative because it's like, there's so much emotional energy and it's something that feels like you can't spend it, but you can spend it very quickly and very fast. And it's like, it's not the same as like running on a treadmill, but it's exhausting. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. So the answer is yes. (laughs) How do you save the, um, it sounds like music's an emotional vampire, but how how do you save the energy for your relationship? How do you balance that out? You find other places to charge. Yeah. And amazing question, by the way, because we are figuring that out every day. Yeah. We have weeks where we mess up really big and we realize we haven't had a single conversation, not about music. We have weekends where we get to the end of the weekend and we're like, oh my God, we should have worked a little bit more. And we're like, no, let's, we have to be humans at the end of our life. Like we have to still remember that like we had a relationship to cultivate and bodies to take care of and minds and families. And like, that's almost more yeah. important. And it's so much more important because you, you can't actually create without experiences. Yes. We can't be empty vessels trying to give to people. Like it's not. Yeah. yeah, but also part of that, like, and I agree with your point, you probably can't create the kind of music you're trying to create without it. But sort of like your whole point is to help people mm-hmm. and make their lives better. It would be crazy for that to come at the expense of your own, right? Yeah. Because like, what are we doing on this rock? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's a yeah. How yeah. can we help people if we're not thriving exactly and i think that's why too i think we realized like a year or two ago is like yeah we need to like do some upbeat music too because like that helps people we need to do like you know give just give people like like anything to entertain them is helpful and yeah yeah you guys were talking about the reach right like the you know tons of people can subscribe to a youtube channel or watch you on instagram or other things like that and one of the things that we were talking about the authenticity and, you know, it's so complicated, but one of the, I think difficult things for a lot of folks who are in the public eye, particularly in entertainment is that there's a delicate balance, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure I have fans of the podcast who are Republicans, fans Mm -hmm. of Democrats who pro LGBTQ rights against them. And what I've learned is that ultimately like, 
when I do talk about issues that, you know, sort of like divide my group, they can be very fascinating and insightful for them. But, you know, it's a delicate balance between authenticity and not alienating your audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does that, how does that work? Again, we're figuring it out every day. Uh, I think 2020 was a hard challenge for us um, because we had just some different areas of our life where we saw businesses making political statements. And I think that really ruffled feathers for some other people because a lot of people viewed businesses as they shouldn't have an opinion. They're of, right. you know, an open, not an open forum, but like they should just be the business, just sell your product and sit down. At the end of the day, we are a business, like we are a product. And, but at the root of that, we're two human beings who are feeling extremely real feelings so it was really hard for us to navigate. I don't know if we did it correctly or gracefully or if we should have done more, should have done less. But how do we not say at the end of the day how we feel to people? Because also we never want to call ourselves influencers, but by music, we hope to influence people. And I don't ever want to change someone's mind. But what if we post something that challenges someone to see something they would have never seen if they weren't a fan of our music? So I don't know. I feel like there's a responsibility for actors, singers, dancers journalists, podcasters, everything to a little bit, like you're a human, you feel those things at the end of the day. If you don't voice a little bit of it, I feel like we don't, you're not believable, at least in my opinion, because I don't know, or you're just like a stone cold G and you don't feel anything. And that's incredible. I need to take a lesson. And as far as us being authentic, it's like, we don't, you know, it's not something that we're constantly talking about. True. Like how, how we feel about certain things, but you know, we are constantly showing how we feel in general. Mm -hmm. And, and never claiming to be experts on and never absolutely claiming to be experts. So it's like, you know, <laughs> as silly as it may be, like maybe someone doesn't interact with a lot of black people in their life and then they, but they follow us online and right. it might make them think like that they've, they might feel like they know me, even though they don't know me at all. And it might like change their opinion of by, black by people, 3%. By three, you know, and I think that's, yeah. that's how you, you just like, you just show up and exist as a person boldly and unapologetically who they are. And you might be able to change people's hearts, like you were saying about like how they view the world. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that. that oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, one of the things that I think I find difficult, you know, in this world of sort of like you were talking about the feedback you get sometimes that can be negative, but you know, in this world of social media where it's so easy for people to like hide behind the keyboard and send whatever, mm-hmm. whatever nasty message, it's like, how do we have a conversation? Well, I guess A is drop the ad hominems and the tags, but I don't know. Conversation where, you know, and I think, Danny, you were hitting on this. You said that line about like never wanting to necessarily change their opinions, but. I think maybe what you're getting at is like, you don't want to personally attack their yes. opinions. You don't want to personally attack their feelings. You want them to feel validated, but you also want to create a space to have a conversation. Exactly. That's so much better put. Yes. No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like you do this for a living or something. No, it's almost like that. <laughs> <laughs> funny um but yeah but i think that you know it always it's always really hard and i don't think it's just 
your profession, but one of the interesting things about your profession is you're so putting yourself out there, right? Like I can go to my yeah. office job, be authentic and not entirely put myself out there. But what you create is actually a part of that. So, yeah. So it's really interesting to hear you guys, I think, talk about that element for it. Hey, I'm curious, what what for you guys have been sort of like the most meaningful things or experiences? Not You don't have to limit it to music, but like the most meaningful experiences that you think shape the two of you. Oof. That's meaningful. Oh my gosh. That's I think our journey together overall has really shaped us in the last couple of years and just like how we interact with the world and how we interact with each other. Um I, I I feel like we're so lucky to have each other through everything. Like it's it's not this industry isn't like for the faint of heart and like we don't by any means feel like we've quote unquote made it or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like have lasted this far. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and so it's just like I don't know. We've, we feel like we've gone through so much like disappointment, rejection, excitement, getting our hopes up, being let down, being unexpectedly surprised in a good way. Like, it's just like, it's always something like it's kind of an emotional whirlwind. And those things like have kind of helped shape who we are now. And like, hopefully how we like leave our mark. So Danny's having Danny has been an important part of sort of like having yourself. And yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. definitely. How about you, Danny? What meaningful? I feel like I can't say the same thing. That's just such a cop out. Um, that, that's the trick when you're interviewing two people. One right. gets the other one. Uh, okay, no, he gets the good answer. Um, no, I, I, one moment that sticks out to me um was on when we were on the TV show, we were asked to kind of gather like information or DMs we were receiving or like fan accounts or whatever because mm-hmm. the producers wanted to use some of that in B-roll. Mm-hmm. And I I'm an extremely empathetic person. I cry at, you know, a strong wind. So like I knew I would probably get emotional, but for whatever reason this this one young girl made us a fan account for us on the TV show and she sent us this really, really beautiful message about how we've like changed her life and she doesn't feel like accepted or seen in her life. And, but our music has been a safe space. And like, I talked about it on the TV show and just like bawled my eyes out because I think kind of like your kind words at the beginning of this. So what we said, like, all I ever want to do is reach a little girl in her bedroom who doesn't feel seen in her life, but like, because our little covers or our original music or our mashups, whatever it is, make her feel seen. Like I. I don't know. So I guess fan fan feedback, as cheesy as that sounds, like people making a point to reach out to us and tell us that we're making a difference, I think is that's completely shaped how and why we do this. Yeah. It's the feedback that kind of reminds you that you're hitting the target on your mission. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to give you guys a chance before before we wrap up to just like you know, if you're thinking about sort of people who are interested in music or young people today who are sort of in a few years behind you on their journey, mm-hmm. like, is there a message or a thought you, and I don't necessarily mean just musicians, but it, it can be anyone, any sort of like message or thought you would have for them, for the world? Oh, yes. Um 
I think I have like two little thoughts. One is learn that no doesn't have to be this soul crushing depression spiral. Like take the no, learn from it, start again. And then secondly, to find your people. I think your community is the most important thing for us. A big part of our community has been each other. But if I didn't have the right people around me, this industry and life in general, not even just the music industry, will chew you up and spit you out. And especially a person like me who is so moldable and bendable, I would have become a version that I have a feeling I probably wouldn't have liked at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of think, you know, at least for music, you really have to like look inward and trust yourself because at the end of the day, it it's all comes down to you, mm-hmm. you know? Someone told us that, like, when we first got to L.A., they were like, you know, you're going to have to answer for all this stuff. Like, no, like, you're not going to, like, get a manager, get some big label or someone, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, they're going to, like, call and make all the hard decisions. Like, you're always going to have to make the hard decisions, so just get used to it. Mm-hmm. And it really, like, helped shape the way that we move forward because we're like, oh, yeah, like, this this is our life. Why would we not be it's in control us. of it? Yeah. And it's such a weird thing that I feel like, I don't know. Like when you're in your early twenties, you just like don't. It, did, it took some, some someone saying that for like it, it wasn't quick. second nature until yeah. someone pointed it out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we've spent our at that point. We've spent our whole. I mean, like in your early twenties, you're only like what a couple of years from needing a hall pass to go to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, <laughs> you're not oh and by the way right after that everybody wants you to figure out everything else you're going to do for the rest exactly. of your life yeah. right that idea of like autonomy and choice and you know and and i think that's part of the reason why it's so easy for people to latch on to wacky ideas yeah. um but but that whole idea of like having autonomy is frightening to people for sure yeah yeah yeah. It really is. I might I'm I might break something or I might hurt <laughs> or I well, might, all of it. might right. all of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, let me give you guys a chance for any closing thoughts that you have. This has been a cool conversation. Let me know. Yeah, it really has. You, Thank you. I have I have no discernible reason to lie about how good you guys are. You oh, really are amazing. And you know, I think just uh, as a piece of fan feedback from my perspective that I think one of the most powerful things about what you guys do, whether it's in video or your outtakes or your music is you show your hearts and you show, and it's beautiful music, but so I don't want to take from that, but like you show your hearts and you really have this, I think power to, to, to leave your listeners feeling connected to you. And I think that's really cool and really unique. So, Thank you so much for saying that. That's like, I just want to record that and play that for the rest of my life. That's all we need to hear. <laughs> well, very soon you will have it. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to cut this up to just the last 10 seconds. <laughs> so any closing thoughts for you guys? Go for it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we're musicians. And so we have a song coming out on September 13th. I'm not sure when the podcast will air. But September 13th of this year, 2023. Right around then. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Yeah, the song's called Past Life, and it is probably, like, one of the most vulnerable things we've ever written. Um, Like, as we mentioned briefly, like, we just recently got engaged, and it's just kind of, like, about our love for each other. And it's a love song riddled with anxiety, which seems so fitting for us. very fitting for us. Um, 
but yes, we're really excited about it. Um, and yeah, people can check it out. I think that's agreed. Oh, great. That's awesome. So I will, uh, I will make sure to check that out and we'll make sure, um, you know, to in the share with people as much as we can about you, you've got your own YouTube, you've got your own Instagram websites. Great. Mm. Any other places where people can find you? Um, we are on TikTok as well. Um, yeah, just all the all the things that they all tell the things, you that we need yeah. to have. We've got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to make you guys sing on command. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but we'll definitely uh, play some music in the outro for our listeners. Again, hey. I really appreciate it. Totally honored, totally moved by what I knew about you before and moved even more by this conversation. Well, thank you so much for having us on. Yes, we, like, Jason, really appreciate you were awesome. It. This was awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for this conversation with Danny Brohart and Colton Jones of the band Nico. We'll see you again all next week. But before that, we're going to end with the song Bubble Wrap from Danny and Colton's May 2023 EP, That's What You Get. You say your last words, all the match and all the disaster, waiting to happen with a hazard, bring you into my life. Play out the classic, void the most for simple boxes, isn't it funny, oh yeah. Yeah.